Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Brought to you by the universe. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for stopping by. Uh, this is... Tuesday, October 13, 2015. I'm Rich Iverson, and um, this is my first, my own uh, talk shoe presentation. So um, what I wanted to, I, I presume that everybody that would show up, if anybody showed up, uh, had a, a basic understanding of things. And so I, I I wanted to launch into the traffic stop. I want to explode myths. And for the last few weeks, I've been preparing a document in support of videos that I've collected and watched. About three weeks ago, I watched about 10 hours straight of police videos, video traffic stops, DUI checkpoints, immigration checkpoints, police contact videos. It was so bloody hot where I'm at that it, I, I just, the only thing I could do is just sit here and, and melt. So, um, I, and I don't even know what, what started it. I, I'm, I'm sure it's something. Uh, in any event, uh, I, I, Watched, I just watched one police video after another. And um, I, it, it was amazing how many emotions I went through. Good, bad, upset, frustrated, just these guys are absolute idiots. They don't know what they're doing. And that's basically what I came away with is th- these guys don't know what they're doing. For the most part, they do not know what they what they're doing. Now, during this ten hour period uh, or so in that neighborhood, however long it was, I, I think I downloaded something on the order of forty videos. And when I got done with it, I I realized when I woke up the next morning, I realized th- these are these are really great learning tools. And I also I also noticed that. Regardless of where these police contacts took place, where where they were videoed, whether it be a checkpoint, immigration checkpoint, DUI checkpoint, traffic stop, wherever, uh, regardless of the state that it took place in, the, the behavior, the patterns of behavior were the same. It's just really astonishing. So in any event, I came up with this idea that uh, I would put together a document. Well, I actually started putting together a document to explode the myths about what's taking place 
at the so-called traffic stop. Now, it's not a traffic stop. As guest number two typed, traffic stop is an arrest. That's exactly correct. And the uh, proof is found in the vehicle code itself. So uh, I, I spent about, oh, I guess about seven, seven to ten days throwing together a, a document. And it's currently on the order of 800 pages. And it consists of statutes, code sections, court cases, court citations. Um, I'm going to include some transcripts. I have some really great transcripts, my own and uh, other people that I've helped over time. And um, some pleadings so that people can see what... Uh, a proper pleading looks like, at least here in California, it'll be accepted by any court. And I have newspaper articles. A buddy of mine found three newspaper articles from a uh, small newspaper out in Palm Springs. And two articles were from October of 1966. And another article was from May of 1967. And these articles had to do with the legislature intending to create a new category or class of wrongdoing. And that class of wrongdoing was going to be identified as an infraction. So I have these three news items from this Dink newspaper out in Palm Springs that discusses this. And... Uh, Hey, Alan, um, what you might do next time you get over to the library is go through microfiches of the San Francisco Chronicle for uh, the October, for October of 1966 and see if there's anything that the Chronicle reported or the examiner, um, the examiner was was operational. You had the Chronicle and the Examiner back then. Uh, th there's got to be news reports about about this. Uh, this Palm Spring newspaper can't be the only newspaper in California that wrote about this new class of wrongdoing, what the legislature was considering. So I, I provided those three three news articles. I provided the Senate bill creating the non-criminal traffic infraction. It's just chock full of evidence. Basically, this this document that I'm I'm putting together in support of these videos, I, I intend to offer this at some point. Um, I'm still putting the finishing touches on this this supporting document, though. This wad of information, in my not so humble opinion, um, ought to provide the reader with everything they need in order to hit that awareness level of what I'm aware of. I'm not, I'm not a special guy. I am just someone who's interested in getting from point A to point B without being hassled and not being falsely accused. How you doing, Bunky? Welcome to the show. So, um, 
there's a, 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 a compilation of information that's available here in California. And it's been prepared by, <clears throat> excuse me, the Attorney General of California. And it's entitled the California Peace Officers Legal Source Book. And this compilation, it's a, it's, a, it's a huge three-ring binder. And it's designed for peace officers. A peace officer is a, a policeman, sheriff, deputy, or highway patrol officer. They're considered peace officers. So this is their playbook. And you can buy it. It's available. It's a, it, it's, it's a government document, and it's available. It's not, it's not private. But it's geared towards policemen, and it's their playbook. So, no, and I have some, I've actually Xeroxed some sections, Xerox, I've scanned uh, sections out of this, out of this thing. And um, I started thinking in terms of, well, hey, you know, I'm, I'll put together something kind of like that. Um, so I have, I've gone through all the, all the codes and what I've done is selected code sections that are relevant and, and important and necessary for my work. These are code sections I would use. And I think that anybody, uh, exactly, good to have your adversaries play with, um, it, it, you would be a fool not to use these code sections. Like, for example, on um, Penal Code Section 836, that section is necessary for me to use in a in a traffic case. It's a it's it's a uh, it's just it's just like a finger on one of my hands. I got to use it. I have to use it. So the idea was to put something together, I guess, for us so that people could go through this thing. It's, it's a massive time-saving thing that I, that I put together. It's a, it's, a, it's a resource tool, and there's, I have uh, approximately 107 videos. And I think people ought to take a look at these videos because I don't think the vast majority of people appreciate just how seriously bad the situation is across this country in relation to police officers. Now, I want to be clear. Not all policemen are bad. But all of them in these videos are. This is about 107 examples of bad cops. They don't know what they're talking about. They're abusive. They're tyrannical. They're abusing their authority. Um, it's just really, really bad. And if people don't get upset by what they see, there's something definitely wrong with them. Because these guys in these videos are getting paid and I so they're doing what they're doing someone's backing them up and they're getting paid 
it's it's not a it's not a it's not a healthy situation. But again, not all cops are bad. I think there's a lot of guys on the, on various forces who are just scared. They, they don't think or feel there's support for them to come forward. You know, they're, they, you know the uh, the blue line, the blue wall. Uh, if you rat out a compadre, that's not a cool thing. Well, okay, but but here here's here's the thing. Um, that's all cool, loyalty, stuff like that. But every single officer swore an oath to the to protect and defend the Constitution. And if they violate that fidelity, that, that that's a problem. And the name of the game is break a rule and get a spanking. They expect us to comply with the rules that they allege we didn't comply with when we're pulled over. They they expect us, you know, go to court, pay, go to court, pay, go to court, pay. It's like someone who uses a leaf blower. They don't think twice about blowing their crap into their neighbor's yard. They're, they do it with such confidence. And the same thing with, with police officers. They hand out tickets, they're confident. You know, they go get some lunch, whatever, get back out in the street, go get some more tickets, bing, bing, bing. People go to court, wind up taking money out of their pocket, taking time out of their day, using their fuel, talking to people they don't want to talk to, thinking about stuff they don't want to think about. This is highly disproportionate. Highly disproportionate. And the fact of the matter is, when you all hear what I have to say, uh, it's going to be pretty clear that crime pays really well. So uh, having, having said that, um, the first thing that I want to bring to you know, your attention is clearly established constitutional rights and clearly established law. There's clearly established constitutional rights that are in existence at the time of a so-called traffic stop. There are also clearly established laws in existence at the time of the so-called traffic stop. I mean, duh. In order for us to be effective in dealing with an allegation, it's important to know which rights, which constitutionally, which clearly established constitutionally secured rights were affected at the time of the stop. So ask yourself the question, were any of your clearly established constitutional rights affected during the traffic stop? Yes or no? If it's yes, okay, we build on that. Now, are there any clearly established laws? at the time of the traffic stop. Well, obviously, that's why the cop's pulling you over. He's he's pulling people over to inform uh, to allege 
that someone broke a rule. It's, it's really just that simple. Every single traffic stop has to do with an allegation that you broke a rule. All right. Maybe I did. Maybe I did break a rule. But the fact remains that there are rules that are in place at the time of the traffic stop. And it's in our best interest to know what our clearly established constitutionally secured rights are and what the clearly established law is as it relates to the peace officer. Now, one of the clearly established constitutional rights that we have is assembly. We have the right to freely assemble together to consult for the common good. Well, if we're not using horses and buggies, we're more than likely going to be using something that's got either an electric motor in it or a combustion engine. So if an officer interferes with us as we're in the process of assembling together, then we, we, we can raise the issue that one of our constitutionally, clearly established constitutionally secured rights were affected. Um, there are laws that restrict what we do and there are laws that restrict what policemen do or what peace officers do. Now, because there are clearly established constitutional rights, there are laws that are written by the state legislature that restricts or limits what our government employees can do so that they don't offend or prejudice, damage, or deny our secured rights. And you're going to find one of those clearly established laws at Penal Code Section 836A1, where we're informed that a, a peace officer may, without a warrant, make an arrest when a crime is committed in his presence. The legislature has provided the officer with discretion to arrest without a warrant, but there's no requirement to arrest. So even if the officer observes a crime committed in his presence, like big fuzzy dice hanging from your mirror, well, it's not really a crime, but the cop will think it is because he thinks he's legitimate and he can pull you over for that. So let's just give him the benefit of the doubt that the big fuzzy dice is a crime. Okay. Um, that's interesting. So um, he's going to, he, he's, he's assumed that he was, he was authorized to exercise his discretion, that all the requisite elements were present that, that uh, provided him with the authority to exercise his discretion. 
Well, given that infractions are not crimes, the officer's got a problem. Because he didn't observe criminal behavior. A crime didn't take place in his presence. So he had no discretion to exercise. If the behavior, if the fuzzy dice was a crime, then he's good to go. And he'd have a problem with the tort claim. So the uh, the idea is is for us to become aware of what our rights are and what the rules are or laws are that that apply to our servants. The policeman wanted to work for us. They work for us. That's how it works. They wanted to do that. And they agreed not to damage or deny any of our secured rights. So I'm going to go down a I'm going to go down a list here of some of the clearly established constitutional rights that are in existence at the time of the contact and then some of the laws that are also in existence and then um we're going to rebut some presumptions because there's a lot of presumptions that the officer makes so this is what we're going to. This is what we find in, in the California Vehicle Code, at Section Four. No right accrued is affected by the provisions of this code. So if the officer um, pulls us over for something, and that something is an accrued right, it's not covered by the code. The code does not embrace accrued rights. So if the officer alleges you violated something in the vehicle code and it turns out that it's an accrued right, the officer's wrong. Had no discretion to do what he did. This is from a uh, a court case out of Massachusetts. It's from um, 2011. It's very good, actually. This is is not the case. It's just a, a brief citation from the case. It's entitled Gillespie versus City of Northampton. Gillespie versus City of Northampton. It's 460 Mass 148. 460 Mass 148. It's a 2011 case, hot off the griddle. A fundamental right is one that is deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition and implicit in the concept of ordered liberty such that neither liberty nor justice would exist if they were sacrificed. Hey, it works for me. Yeah, the uh yeah, again the the citation is 460 mass 148. If you're going to if you're going to want to uh do the notes and then copy the notes afterwards for your own records, cool. Um so a fundamental right is one that's deeply rooted in the nation's history. Well, locomotion is one of those rights. It's deeply rooted. That's how the pilgrims got here. They locomoted from the other side of the pond over over here, you know, to where the Mohawks and the other folks were, were hanging out. And the locals were locomoting, just like everybody else on the planet was. 
everybody locomotes. As soon as you pop out a mom, you're looking to locomote. It's inherent. Now, here's, uh, here's an interesting case. This is also from 2011. This is a Supreme Court decision. It's Ashcroft versus Al-Kid, K-I-D-D, Ashcroft versus Al. The, it's a lowercase a uh, dash kid, K-I-D-D. It's 131. And this is from uh, the Supreme Court reporter, rather, and, and uh, I think that's different than U.S., but it's still a U.S. Supreme Court decision. 131, Supreme Court, 2074. 131, Supreme Court, 2074. It's a 2011 case. For a right to be clearly established, existing precedent must have placed the statutory or constitutional question beyond debate. I'm not prepared to debate that I have a right to go where I want to go. I have the right to choose to go where I want to go when I want to go there. Now, this doesn't mean that I get to offend you or damage you or interfere with your, um, your rights. But uh, for a right to be clearly established, existing precedent must have placed the statutory or constitutional question beyond debate. I think it's beyond debate that we have the right to acquire, possess, and enjoy property. A car is property. We have the right to go visit granny. Um, we have uh, the right to go to the store and get provisions, necessities of life. And nowadays, Actually, for quite a long, 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 long time, since the mechanized age, pretty much, we're not <coughs> making we're not making um, anything. We don't make our own shoes, we don't make our own clothes, we don't make our own bread, we don't make tools, we don't make our electronics, so we have to go get it. And when we do that, um, our ex we, we, we expose ourselves to our employees who are riding around in cop cars wearing uniforms with loaded guns. And if they make a mistake, we have to deal with it. Um, so in any event, um, it's our right to go get food. It's our right to go visit our family. It's our right to go to our place of worship. And this is this is beyond debate. What officer, what judge would debate that? I don't know, but uh, I'm sure there, there would be some. In any event, so what are what are some other freedoms that are beyond debate? Well, freedom from arbitrary state interference. Free passage. Autonomous self positioning. That's putting yourself where you want to put yourself. Autonomous other encountering. That's interacting with who you want. Nobody wants to be nobody wants to be interacting with a cop, especially if you're on the way to the doctor or something like that. I mean you got other things on your mind. So this this officer is has stopped you stopped your movement, you stopped your movement because of what the officer did, then the officer 
compelled you to interact with them? Well, it's either valid or void. There's, there's no in-between. You have a reasonable expectation of privacy. You have a right to reasonably defend yourself. You have a right to bodily integrity. And you have the right to be free from arrest without probable cause. Now, this is what I'm about to read is pretty interesting because the same exact words are found in two different court cases, one from 1924 and one from 1950. And both of them are from uh, California courts. It is settled that the streets of a city belong to the people of a state and the use thereof is an inalienable right of every citizen of the state. Those streets out there, those asphalt rivers belong to us and we have the right to use them. They belong to us, we have the right to use them. It's It's just that simple. And it was settled in 1924 in a case entitled White versus City of Sacramento. 65 Cal App 534. White versus City of Sacramento. 65 Cal App 534. And you'll find the same exact language in a case entitled Escobedo versus State Department of Mo- Actually, you know what? I think I can do this. Pardon me while I learn, guys. Okay. I don't know. Did all that stuff come through? I'm only seeing part of it. Anyway, so it is settled that the streets of the city belong to the people of the state. So it's settled. There's no reason for us to talk about it anymore. I have the right to use my street to go visit my grandmother, grandfather, or to take my son or daughter uh, over to play miniature golf or something like that. So that's another right. Um, We also have the right not to be arrested without probable cause. Probable cause is an element that provides validity of a warrantless arrest. If the behavior in question doesn't rise to the level of a crime, there's no probable cause, the arrest is invalid, it's void. So those are a few of our many clearly established constitutional rights that are in place at the time the officer Um, contacts us. So, let's focus on the, what what people call a traffic stop. That's not what it is, but that's what people call it. People call it a traffic stop. No, it's not a, um, it's not a traffic stop. It's an arrest, and you'll find that evidence in the vehicle code. Because it, it, it's identified. The legislature has identified what it is. So the officer is making an arrest for an alleged violation of the vehicle code. Now, in order to do that 
validly, the officer has to observe something first. That's the very first thing that happens. The officer is either on his motorcycle or sitting in his cop car, and he observes something. What he more than likely observes is going to be movement. And then what the officer is going to do is make a determination about the movement he observed. When the red lights go on, that is evidence. It's your proof that the officer made a determination. You weren't exercising a constitutionally secured right. Because if you were, he couldn't turn those red lights on. Why? Because you're not doing anything wrong. You're exercising one of the very rights that that officer agreed not to deny or disparage or damage or otherwise prejudice. So when you're going down the road and uh, the officer decides to pull you over, that officer has made a determination based on his observation that you were engaged or in or exercising the privilege the license permits. And this is the most important thing. The officer made a determination that your behavior, the behavior he observed, he determined to be a crime. That is the only way for what he did to be valid. Why? Because of Penal Code Section 836A1 and the Fourth Amendment and the state variant of the Fourth Amendment. Penal Code Section 836, again, is, an, is a limitation and restriction on what a peace officer can do. And what we're talking about there is make an arrest. Penal Code Section 836 has to do with warrantless arrests and arrest as well. But when it comes to a warrantless arrest, a crime has to be committed in the officer's presence. Fuzzy dice hanging from a mirror does not constitute criminal behavior. The officer who pulls someone over for that, arrests them without a warrant for that, issues a notice to appear for fuzzy dice hanging down from the mirror, uh, denied and disparaged the very rights he swore an oath not to deny and disparage. The officer actually committed a crime. He violated clearly established constitutional rights, and he violated clearly established law. Why? Because Penal Code Section 836 informs the reader that the officer may make an arrest without a warrant when a crime is committed in his presence. When no crime is committed in his presence, he cannot exercise his discretion. He's got no discretion to exercise. The arrest is false. There was no probable cause. So it's a violation of three clearly established laws. Penal Code Section 836, the Fourth Amendment, and the state variant. This officer has a big problem. So what's important for us to be aware of is what's uh, 
what's known as a presumption. A uh, a presumption is either conclusive or rebuttable. You'll find reference to rebuttable uh, to presumptions in your state's evidence code. So the officer um, either has personal knowledge at the time of the stop, or he doesn't. Now, if he if he activates the red light or the red lights, he's made a determination. He's presumed that he observed a crime. Well, again, infractions are not crimes. So um, that officer has a problem. He violated, <laughs> violated the law. But if you turn around and sue him, he'll come back at you with a uh, motion for summary judgment. And he'll claim qualified immunity. Well, government employees have qualified immunity. It's not absolute. They can't. Uh, they agreed not to violate or deny clearly established constitutional rights. So, if a if a judge or a policeman, let's use a judge because there's a lot of trigger happy cops out there. If a judge, for example, they have greater immunity than a policeman does. If he pulls out a gun and shoots the the defendant dead in open court, you bet he can be sued. He's going to be arrested and he can be sued. So he doesn't have absolute immunity. The only people who have absolute immunity are tyrants. So when a peace officer makes a warrantless arrest, he's assuming risk. And the risk he's assuming is I'm not violating any laws. I'm not, de- I'm not denying any of the clearly established constitutional rights of the, the person I subjected to a warrantless arrest. That's the risk the officer is assuming. And when you understand what this stuff is, uh, what, what's going on, and that, that the officer's um, behavior to be valid or legitimate has to be within defined boundaries, and they are defined. As a matter of fact, yes, number two, within the scope. Exactly. So when an officer makes a warrantless arrest for non-criminal behavior, they forfeit or waive their qualified immunity, and they also, um, well, they're common trespassing because that's what they're doing. They have gone beyond the scope of their constitutional authority. So when it comes to a so-called traffic stop, um, most people, if they want to have their day in court, are not going to bother to ask the officer any questions about what he did. They're more than likely going to do what the officer did. They're more than likely going to tell a story. Well, you can tell a story if you want, or you can ask your employee some questions about his job. Now, you didn't hire your employee, but they're on the payroll, and they're picking up a check every week or two or month. But you don't know who they are. You've never met them before. Just because they're wearing a police uniform or a highway patrol uniform doesn't make them competent. 
I kid you not, these these videos I've I've collected. Um, these these officers just if they do have a clue, then they're just nothing but common criminals. If they don't have a clue, have a clue, then they're incompetent. Either way, they shouldn't be getting paid, but they are, and that's what's a drag about all this kind of stuff. They're being rewarded for what it is they're doing. This is a scandal. I mean, we the people are taking it in the shorts really bad because what a lot of people, I don't know if they're aware of this fact, but not only do they pay for their defense, but it's their tax dollars to pay for the prosecution's case. So the defendant is paying everybody in that courtroom. I mean, all the employees, the clerk, commissioner or judge, the bailiff, um, and the officer. If the officer shows up, the officer's getting paid. He's not showing up for free. He's getting paid for it. So he got paid to make a, a, a bogus arrest, and he gets paid for showing up in court. Um, and in 99.9% of the cases, you're going to lose. Why? Technicality. The reason people lose is because of a technicality. They're not talking about things they should talk about. And one of the things that would be good to talk about uh, would be the rules that apply to the officer. Because remember, the officer is accusing us of breaking the rule. Maybe we did. My case has to do with, hey, officer, did you break any rules? Because I don't pay hypocrites. I don't know about you guys, but I don't pay hypocrites. He can't break the rules he agreed not to pay. So what we have going for us are clearly established constitutional rights and clearly established law. That's what we have on our side. The law is on our side. What I've determined over the course of 20-plus years of study is that we don't know what we could say. We don't know what we could ask. And if we did know more than likely, all this stuff we're seeing happening across the country would be dramatically reduced. But right now, you've got a whole wad of government employees who believe they can do anything they want. Because we the people are so stupid, we're, not, we're never going to figure it out. Well, some of us have figured it out. And uh, the good news is everything is in our favor. Because when, when people realize that that officer made an erroneous determination about what they observed, um, this is a very good thing. Because, again, that officer is making an arrest. They are, their, their evaluation 
results in damage to one of the people they wanted to serve. They're supposed to know what I know. Judges are supposed to know what I know. I'm not special. I'm not all that smart. I'm pretty aware. And the only reason I'm aware is because I've gone to the law library and I've looked for stuff and I've been online and I've looked for stuff and uh, I found stuff. And the stuff that I've found, I'm telling you guys, works for us. So again, um, I'm putting this this compilation together and um, in support of these videos because it, it it takes a lot of time to do this stuff. To, people don't know where to look. Um, it's a needle in the haystack thing for the most part. You have if you don't come up with the right question, if you don't phrase the question correctly. You're going to be spending days looking for stuff. So what I've, I've hoped to do um, with this thing that I put together um, is provide people with a, a resource where they can just go to that. They don't have to go down to the law library and, uh, you know, spend their time and use their fuel to do that, although it's good to go to the law library. And... Um, in any event, the, the objective is to rebut presumptions because the officer made a number of them and based on all the information I've acquired, the, the presumptions are that the officer made are in error. They screwed up. They made a mistake. They damaged us. They, they forfeited their qualified immunity. They broke the law. They violated Penal Code Section 836, 236, which is false imprisonment. They're, they're, they're a trespasser. It's, it's just that simple. And this is just business. And, and what's really cool about, about this, we don't have to argue anything. All we have to do is put the rule that applies to them out there. Uh, Officer Doe, uh, do you have, do you have uh, an awareness of the penal code? Yeah. And uh, the, the penal code has rules in there. Is that correct? Yeah. And like rules about assault and battery and um, stuff like that, right? Yeah. And are there any rules that apply to peace officers? Yeah. Great. Um, now, do you know about Penal Code Section 841? you have personal knowledge of Penal Code Section 841? That's a question I would ask. Because if he doesn't have personal knowledge of, of, of Penal Code Section 841, um, that serves me. Because Penal Code Section 841, this is the California Penal Code, tells me that that officer has to disclose why he's doing what he's doing. What's the reason for talking to me? And if I ask him, he's got to tell me. But typically, when an officer rolls up on you, they don't tell you that you're under arrest. They should tell you you're under arrest. But they don't tell you that you're under arrest. But that's what it is. So based on my understanding of the law and the rules, what people should hear 
when an officer approaches them for any garden variety traffic stop is something kind of like this. Uh, sir, the reason, uh, the reason I stopped you, uh, you're under arrest, sir, uh, by the way, for alleged violation of vehicle code section one, two, three, four, five. Going to need to see your uh, license registration proof of insurance. And when you hand that to me, I'm going to need you to stay put in the car. I'm going to go back to the patrol vehicle and take care of some business. I'll be right back, get you down the road as soon as possible, as long as everything checks out. All right, so I need that uh, license registration proof of insurance. I need you to stay in the car. I'll be right back. Thank you, sir, for your cooperation. That's kind of sort of how it should sound. But that's not the way it works. You know why I pulled you over? I don't care why you pulled me over. The only thing I want to know is, am I under arrest? Am I free to go? What, why, why, why this cop's doing what he's doing? I could care less. I, I, I'm, I'm in the middle of something. Who this guy is, I don't know. I don't care. So I know he's playing games. You know why I pulled you over? I don't care why I pulled me over. Okay, I need to see some ID. Okay, great. Here's some ID. All right. So, um, you have anything in the car I should know about? <laughs> yeah, it's filled with polymers and stuff. It's outgassing stuff. It's making me sick. What else? What are you talking about? Well, no, never mind. It's a little esoteric. In any event, uh, there's, there's really important questions that people could ask police officers, and what they'd find out is the police officer doesn't know what he's doing. As a matter of fact, um, you can get an officer to admit that he followed a rule that doesn't exist. Now, tell me that's not going to work for you. Um, at this point, uh, I'm going to go ahead and if you guys want to ask some questions, you have some comments or something, um, let's do some of that. Everybody's unmuted, if you want. Um, so, um, every traffic stop has the same exact elements. You have a peace officer who's involved. Someone behind the wheel is involved. The officer observes activity of the someone behind the wheel. The officer activates a patrol vehicle's red lights. The someone behind the wheel comes to a stop after seeing the red lights. And the officer issues a notice to appear, citing a section or sections of the vehicle code, the issue we allegedly violated. Those, are the, th those, those elements are part of every single traffic stop, unless the cop just lets someone go without issuing them a paper. But those elements are, are found in every single traffic stop. So before the officer becomes involved, there's some things, there's something that happened as well. And this is really, really important. So the officer, again, observes some behavior. And based on his evaluation of that behavior, he determined it was proper and he was authorized to activate the red lights and interrupt the party that, that he observed. Again, that presumption, that evaluation has to be based upon 
conduct or activity that's a crime. If it's not a crime, the cop's screwed up. He can't exercise discretion. He's got no discretion to exercise. He activated the red lights. It was improper. It was unauthorized. The cop forfeited or waived his qualified immunity. He committed crimes. And these, the, he, he violated clearly established law. So the, the so-called traffic stops and arrests, and what I just just read, that, that's precisely what occurred based on the foregoing element. The, the cop made an arrest, but he, but what, but he didn't observe a crime. So, so as far as I'm concerned, the key to a successful defense of an alleged violation of the vehicle code is what the officer observed. That's where you want to begin. That's Well, you can begin anywhere you want. That's where I want to begin. Did the officer observe a crime? If the answer is no, Houston, we've got a problem. Now, here's what we have going for us that's really good. Prima facie, the law presumes the defendant is innocent of crime or wrongdoing. We don't have to lift a finger to prove we're innocent. We're presumed innocent. The grain cuts against the the state when it comes to crime. It doesn't cut against us. We're in the better position as the defendant. We're innocent. They have to prove we're not. How are they going to do that without evidence? The officer, in addition to presuming the, the behavior they observed was crime, they also presume that the activity was activity regulated under the vehicle code. I mean, if you're being pulled over for some alleged violation of the vehicle code, that's what the officer presumes you were doing. You were engaged in or exercising behavior that is associated with the vehicle code. Well, there's got to be some evidence. So what's the officer going to say? What's the key? What's, what's the key word for this? The key is driving, right? If you're in a moving car and you get pulled over for a moving violation, the officer is going to testify he observed you driving. So that's a presumption. Unless the officer has some evidence to establish you were driving, the officer's got a big, big problem. Now, here's something that's kind of interesting to be aware of. In the various codes, words are defined. Take a look in your vehicle code, in your state's vehicle code, and look up the definition of the word driving. It's not in the California Vehicle Code. But that's what every single police officer, highway patrol officer, and sheriff deputy is going to call someone who's sitting in a moving car behind the wheel going somewhere. They're going to to claim you were driving. Well, driving has a specific definition. And, And 
maybe you were driving. I spoke with someone who was driving last night. I went over to the grocery store to get some uh, get some dinner, some stuff for dinner, and I happened to pass a guy who was um, unloading some flowers to take into the store. So as I walked past the uh, back of his truck, it was open, I, I said, excuse me, sir, I ha- had a question. Um, what, what class license do you need to deliver these flowers? He said, class C. Class C. Okay, great. All right, thank you very much. A class C. So he's, he's got a class C license. That's all he needs to deliver flowers legally. Why do I have a class C license? I don't deliver flowers. What do I need a what do I need a class C license for? I'm not going to deliver pizza or flowers or anything else. So what do I need a class C license for? Well, actually I don't have one anymore. I haven't had one for over 20 some years cuz I don't do what the DMV regulates. They regulate commercial use of the streets and highways. That's an extraordinary use of the street. People are using it for profit or gain or uh private enterprise or not so more public enterprise, but they're using the streets for commercial purposes. That's the key. And that's what the license permits. The license permits the holder to charge a fee or get compensation to transport someone or something from point A to point B. That's, that's, what, it, that's what the DMV is regulating. They permit the commercial use of the streets. Well, I haven't, I, once I found this out, I, I, uh, I, began, I commenced a divorce proceeding between myself and the Department of Motor Vehicles. So uh, we're divorced. I don't have anything belonging to the state. They don't have anything belonging to me. I can hear it now. Well, what happens if you get pulled over? I don't know. I, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know. I don't know. But let's say that the officer decides to issue me a notice to appear for no driver's license because I'm not going to give him one and uh, no registration, whatever. I'm I'm not going to give him anything because I don't have to. I know what the rules are. But he doesn't, and he's going to write all this stuff down on the notice to appear, and I'll sign it because I'll take care of my business in court um, where it's safe. See, out of curbside, the officer can unholster his weapon. He can electrocute us. He can hit us with a stick, stuff like that. And I don't want that to happen. So the smart move is just to swallow hard and go over to court and take care of business over there where he can't uh, as readily unholster his weapon and electrocute us and all that kind of stuff. So that's what I would do. I would just let him do whatever he's going to do, and then um, we're going to find out just just how sharp this officer is. He's riding around in my neighborhood with a loaded gun. He wanted to work for me. I'm going to qualify him and find out if he's actually competent to do that. If he's not, he's 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 going to have a problem. And and what's really um, interesting about this is it's less burdensome and anxiety-ridden going into this setting if it, if you, you can 
keep it in your mind that you're going to be commencing an investigation. You're going to be asking a lot of questions. You need information. You, because there's stuff that you don't know. And you need information from the cop. We get to do to the cop what he did to us out of curbside, but we get to do it in a courtroom in front of witnesses while he's under a penalty of perjury. So we get to ask him a bunch of questions about how well he knows this job. I think that's pretty cool. And who doesn't want to bag a a police officer or a highway patrol officer? I mean, if you if you know if you know some of this stuff, again, you can get a cop to admit he followed a rule that doesn't exist. That's very useful from where I sit. Uh, anybody want to ask a question or make a comment? Okay. Um, are you guys watching the debate in the background? Is that thing still going on? <laughs> Is Hillary winning? Um, this is from a, an uh, 1888 California Supreme Court opinion. It's from a case entitled People versus McGrew. People versus McGrew. It's uh, 77 Cal. Well, actually, if you want it, type it in the little window there. Okay, bingo. There we go. Um, when a plaintiff has shown that he was arrested, imprisoned, or restrained of his liberty by the defendant, the law presumes it to be unlawful. Isn't that cool? When the plaintiff has shown he was arrested, imprisoned, or restrained of his liberty by the defendant, the law presumes it to be unlawful. Um, Officer Doe, are you a sworn California peace officer? Yes, I am. Were you acting in that capacity on January 15, 2015? Yes, I was. And is it a fact that you initiated contact with me on January 15, 2015? Yes. And was your contact to, uh, the purpose of your contact to enforce California Vehicle Code? Yes, it was. Now, prior to your contact, had you activated the patrol vehicle's red lights? Yes. And were those red lights directed at me? Yes. And was it your intent that I halt? Yes. Very good. And did I comply with your intent? Yes. Now, officer, uh, did you uh, exit the patrol vehicle and uh, come up and initiate a conversation with me? Yes. Now, at the time of your, um, at the initiation of your conversation, was I free to free to go? Well, no. Great. Had I had I just left, I probably would have gotten in trouble, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, great. So, you wanted me to stay put, is that correct? Yeah. Now, at the time of your contact, are you in possession of or responding to a warrant for my arrest or the search and seizure of my car? No. 
I did my job, according to People versus McGrew. When the plaintiff has shown that he was arrested, imprisoned, or restrained of his liberty by the defendant, the law presumes it to be unlawful. This guy didn't have paperwork in the business. It's called process. A warrant is another word for warrant is process. He didn't have legal process. He wasn't serving any paperwork. He just lit somebody up, pulled them over, issued them a piece of paper. Here, here's the ticket. Go to court. You know, I got a gun, sticking a gun, uh, sign this thing, agree to go to court. Otherwise, you're going to get in trouble. I'm going to make your life miserable. Uh, I did my job. Now, interestingly enough, the burden shifts to the uh, accuser to prove that the arrest was legitimate. And if it wasn't, um, that somebody has a big problem. An officer may be held liable in damages to any person injured in consequence of a breach of any of the duties connected with his office. The the liability for nonfeasance, misfeasance, and for malfeasance in office is in his individual, not his official capacity. You're going to find that in 70 Amjur Second, Section 50, uh, Subsection 7, Civil Liability. Amjur is American jurisprudence. It's a uh, legal encyclopedia. An officer may be held liable in damages to any person injured in consequence of a breach of any of the duties connected with his office. The liability for nonfeasance, misfeasance, and for malfeasance in office is in his individual, not his official capacity. So uh, the liability accrues to Mr. Cop, not Officer Cop. Why? Because he, he, he exceeded the scope of his constitutional authority. Once he acted contrary to the law, he was no longer officer cop. He was Mr. Cop. He lost his, his official officer. He, he left that in the, in the, in the, within the boundaries. Now, he's dressed like an officer, but he's not legally. Both the police we honor and the criminals we prosecute are subject to the same binding constitution. Smith versus City of Hemet. 394, Fed 3rd, 689. That's a Ninth Circuit decision from 2005. Smith versus City of Hemet. 394, Fed 3rd, 689. That's an N-Bank ruling. Every single judge agreed. Both the police we honor and the criminals we prosecute are subject to the same binding constitution. The Fourth Amendment and the state variant informs us that no warrant will issue without probable cause. There is no probable cause associated with non-criminal behavior. 
that officer has a big problem. And, and, and all the evidence is on our side. Here's uh, something similar. Obviously, administrative agencies, like police officers, must obey the Constitution and may not deprive persons of constitutional rights. At Southern Pacific Transportation Company versus Public Utilities Commission. 18, Cal 3rd, 308. 18, Cal 3rd, 308. That's a 1976 California Supreme Court decision. Southern Pacific Transportation Company versus Public Utilities Commission. Obviously, administrative agencies, like police officers, must obey the Constitution and may not deprive persons of constitutional rights. Everything is on our side. Listen to this. You guys may have heard this. This is from a case entitled People versus Horton. It's 14 Calap 3rd, 9.30. 14 Calap 3rd, 9.30. It's a 1971 California Court of Appeals decision, People versus Horton. This is what the court held. The right of the citizen to drive on a public street with freedom from police interference unless he is engaged in suspicious conduct associated in some manner with criminality is a fundamental constitutional right which must be protected by the courts. Well, clearly, the courts are not doing their job. Why? Because the police are interfering with someone, for the most part, uh, who's driving on the street. Now, let's say someone with a license is driving on the street. They got fuzzy dice hanging from the mirror. The cop pulls them over. That policeman interfered with that someone's rights. He had a valid license, and the officer didn't observe a crime. The right of the citizen to drive on a public street with freedom from police interference unless he is engaged in suspicious conduct associated in some manner with criminality. Infractions are not crimes. So even, so you have the right, after you get the license, if that's what you're going to do, you have the right to go to exercise what the license permits, go where you want to go, as long as what you're doing isn't a crime. This Horton case applies to every single traffic case that, that has to do with an infraction. It's right, it, it, it's, it's right there. The right of the citizen to drive on a public street with freedom from police interference. It doesn't say you can drive without a license. That's not what it says. It says you have the right to drive on a public street with freedom from police interference. That's the key. Unless you're engaged in suspicious conduct associated in some manner with criminality. So again, it doesn't say you get to drive without a license. It says you get to drive 
free, uh, you have the right to drive on the public street with freedom from police interference. That's the catch. Presumptively, you have a valid license before you drive. And a policeman cannot interfere with you. They are not authorized to interfere with you unless what you're doing rises to the level of crime. So again, this all goes back to the officer's observation of your behavior or your conduct. And if they activate the red lights, then they've determined that one, what they observed was a crime. Two, you are the party within the regulated class under the vehicle code. And that's why the vehicle code applies to you and that you were engaged in or exercising the the privilege permitted by the license. Those are rebuttable presumptions. And we'd be we'd be foolish not to ask the officers some questions about those presumptions. Because hopefully what I've demonstrated is that the officers are breaking the law. And that's not good. It's just it's just not just not good for business. Yeah. Seventy uh, section. Let me put that up there for you so that you have it. Okay. I think as um, as inaugural thing kind of goes or has gone, that's pretty inaugural. I think I covered what I wanted to cover. Hopefully you guys have something you can work with. Um, and... Uh, Go ahead. If, if you're interested, in some, I have some educational materials if you guys are interested. Um, I'll go ahead and put some links up here. And uh, if you're interested, you can check it out. Um, bingo, bingo, bingo. Oh, what's not happening there? Uh, let's see if that works. Yeah, it looks like I'm kind of sort of limited to uh, only a few links. So I can put this little window. There we go. There's some more stuff. Okay. And um, here's a couple of great resources for you guys if you don't have these. Um, um, this is defindlaw.com. You can get a free account with them. You can use a, a pseudonym if you want. Uh, the two links that I provided, one is for California cases. So I guess it's not going to do any good for you folks in uh, other I states. But, yeah. I'm sorry, whoever you are, you're breaking up really bad. I'm sorry, you're breaking up really bad. 
sorry, you're breaking okay. up. Hi, okay. And here's one last thing. Here's the codes of California if you, you guys are interested. Uh, and here's one last thing. Here's the codes of California if you, you guys are interested. Uh, and here's one last thing. Okay, um, I'm gonna sign. I'm gonna I'm gonna mute all because I don't know what's happening here. There we go. Oops, that's uh. Okay. I mute all because I don't know what. Yeah. Oops, that's uh. There we go. Getting some uh, interesting feedback from Central Colorado. All right. Uh, well. That's about it for right now. Thank you, everybody, for taking time out of your day to stop by. I really appreciate it. And I hope I said something that uh, everybody can use. And until uh, the next announcement, uh, thank you all. And I hope your candidate wins. And with that, we are done. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.